0: Hey, it's Joseph from Rad Parenting, and I'm here without Anea for a second. Uh, To tell you that I am going out on the road this week, September 29th, I will be in Phoenix. I know we've got Phoenix listeners. I will be at the Film Bar 8 o'clock on September 29th, this Thursday night. And then from there, I fly to Austin where I love to eat barbecue. And I will be a part of the Altercation Comedy Festival going on Friday, September 30th. So if you want to come see me do stand-up, you can see me in Phoenix this Thursday, September 29th. Or you can see me September 30th in Austin. All right. Now, for what you really care about, here's Rad Parenting. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Joe here for Rad Parenting with my co-host. Anaya Bogue. And we've got a killer, killer show for you guys. Uh, a little bit of business at the beginning of the show. Uh, I sent out the book to our winner this week. So I know that you've been wondering where that book is, and it has went to your house. It finally got there. and I know. I totally... I blew it because I told everybody last week I sent out the the gift and then I didn't do it. In you a. didn't. I know. I lied. I didn't lie. <laughs> I thought it was going out. <laughs> Yeah, but I came in yesterday to get prepped for this show, yeah. and I realized it had not been sent oh out. Oh, my god! So there you go. Also want to thank everyone once again for all the great reviews on iTunes. Still can't believe that you guys are doing that. Thank you so much. And keep the emails uh, coming to the show. All you got to do is email us at radparenting at gmail.com. Either Anaya or myself will answer those emails,
1: and and keep coming up to me at the at my hairstylist and and yoga and spin.
0: Yeah, Anaya's getting I... recognized, you guys. The only person <laughs> getting recognized from a podcast. <laughs> it's uh, ridiculous. You got recognized at a yoga class.
1: It's ridiculous. I don't know how that is because nobody sees my face. Oh, it must be because of the pictures that you post.
0: Yeah, you. Well, all the pictures how from. Else yeah, we,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and
0: I think uh, I think obviously here in Los Angeles. Uh, that's like our biggest listenership right now is Los Angeles. So I'm sure that you know someone is, hey, I do yoga. I'm raising my kids, rad parenting. Anyway, it all it's comes awesome. Together. I
1: love I love that people are listening and I love that they come up and, and talk about it and want to talk about it's
0: it. Great. So. It's great. It's um, great. I'll also tell you this too, and this is something that's literally going on this week. Uh, my wife had to go away uh, for a doTERRA event and she's gone for the entire week. So I've been in charge at home and I got to say, I love it. I love it. I've I've been doing all the pickups, all the drop-offs, uh, dealing with the lunches and, and 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 the food making and the where's my hairband and I need my uniform washed. I am
1: impressed. Yeah, and Joseph. I'm crushing it. Of course, of course you are. Yeah. How are you managing?
0: I treat it, it like ha- being a tour manager. <laughs> I, that's how I treat it. Like my, my, my son was, I was like, you know, uh, what, what do you want for breakfast? And I'm literally making his breakfast or making his lunch and setting up his breakfast the night before. And I've been doing comedy shows. I was at the laugh factory. Got down You're a machine, do- Jeff. said. Yeah. I don't know about a machine. I just survive on caffeine. Okay. <laughs> and I have crazy allergies. So if I sneeze during this interview with our guest, uh, don't think that I'm sick. It's just allergies.
1: Uh, okay. And I want to just, I, I want to acknowledge how important it is. And you sort of mentioned this earlier when we were talking about this. It, it's really critical that I love that your kids are getting to see you in that role. You know, it's that whole idea this, there's this t-shirt floating around that's like, you know, dads aren't babysitters, they're parents, right? And so I'm thrilled that you're, you know, stepping into your full parent role, which I'm not at all surprised about. <laughs> and that your kids, your son and your daughter both seen you just kill it.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's been a blast. At one point, um, I made dinner for my son and my daughter, and we were sitting at the table. And uh, Nate just looks at me, and goes, Dad, you're kind of crushing it right now. <laughs> as he's just wedging these mashed potatoes I made. And I was like, cool. You know, well done. Yeah, it's been, it's been great, though. And uh, it's, it's definitely, I love the dynamic. But I'll tell you right now, I'll be super stoked when Karen gets home this weekend. Yeah you know, it'll be, it'll be like, it's hard being
1: a single parent. Oh my
0: gosh. For all the single parents out there right now, I salute you. (laughs) I do, man. I called my mom this weekend. I was like, how did you do it? She's like, I smoked and had margaritas the entire time. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Love you, Mom. With all of that said, uh, our guest on the show today is a friend of mine. Uh, He's a musician. He's an activist. And he's just a great guy. And more importantly, you guys wanted a show about having a toddler. This guy has a three-year-old. Welcome to the show, Mr. Wayne Kramer.
2: How are you, Wayne? I'm terrific. Thanks. I
0: I got I got to thank you for making it over. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit. You've been super busy. Uh, we're going to talk about so many different things. Um, uh, but first of all, for the people that are listening that know who Wayne Kramer are, you're like. Yes, this is going to be good for the people that might not know Wayne's background. I just got to throw out MC5. That's all I got to say throw that in there Uh, The clash song jail guitar doors. Yeah, that song is about this dude that's sitting right in front of us and also we'll talk about his uh, Basically uh, the foundation jail guitar doors that he started how many years with jail guitar doors eight years eight years and just a great, great, uh, great, great work that these people are doing. So I want to talk about that. But like I said, you guys have hit us up. They, we get a lot of emails. You're yes, always talking about, yes. you know, teenagers. Or babies. Or, yeah. Are or you really, like really? you just
1: about to have a baby or you've got teenagers. What about the toddlers? Which is a whole, like, that's when they really... <laughs> There, I mean, I, I, look, I know from having two. So the, the first, the early years are tough just because you're like, what is this? What is this little thing want? It, all it does is cry. And then they start having personalities, right? Which is fun. And at the same time, you're like, oh, wow, I'm really dealing with a full blown human being now. What is going on?
2: You know, total agency, total sentient, autonomous human being. They don't know anything. But their, their their identity is already there in place. Yes. Yes. And um, and for toddlers, for for my three year old, he's he's a boy. His name is Francis Marin Kramer, and um, he right now is peaking on limit testing. Ah. It's it's all about limit testing. Uh huh. Give and, us
0: some examples.
2: Well. Two nights ago, he was finishing his bath, and I I identified with your um, crushing it as a father, (laughs) cooking, cleaning, uh, caregiving, because I do that a lot. Um, You know, I work a lot. My wife works a great deal. And if I'm not scoring a show, I write music for film and TV shows. If I'm not on a show, I go home every day at 3 because our uh, nanny leaves at uh-huh. 3. And I have Francis from 3 till sometimes bedtime. And um, so he was finishing his bath, and he's got a selection of toys in there. And I said, Francis, put your toys up on the shelf when you're getting out of the bathtub. <laughs> and he said, no. No. <laughs> I said, no, no, put, put, put your toys up, you know. And he said, no, it's okay, Papa. It's okay, no. And I said, well, if you don't put them up, then I have to put them up. And he said, that's okay, you put them up. <laughs> I said, son, this isn't fair. You know, tomorrow morning when I go to take a shower, I've got to clean up all your toys. They're going to be at the bottom of the bathtub, you know. He said, that's okay, Papa. That's okay. Just call it like it is. I was just going
0: to say,
1: he's been around for three years. He's like, yeah, you pick him up. Yeah, (laughs) I know what's up. So, okay, so let's give everybody a little bit of context here because as if the toddler years are not challenging enough, you decided to have a child, you and your wife decided to have a child much later in life than many of us do it. So let's just talk a little bit about, because I'm fascinated by this idea of... um, My personal feeling is so many of us have babies in our twenties when we're so fertile that we almost have to just think about getting pregnant. We yeah. get pregnant, <laughs> and uh, but in our twenties we don't know who the heck we are. Right. And you know, I had my my oldest I had when I was twenty six, and I had it pretty, and I'd finished college. I had my first teaching job. You know, I was, and and even then I was like, how do people do it that don't have these things right. in place? Mm-hmm. And then my my el- my younger daughter I had when I was thirty eight, and the big thing that I've noticed, so I'd love for you to speak to this, is that who I I was at 26 and you know being a, a parent for the first time then and who I was at 38 and more developed myself just more life experience more wisdom I've brought those things to parenting. So mm-hmm. let's talk about your choice to have a child later in life and then also what how what you think you've been able to bring to the table as an older parent and what the challenges sure. are.
2: Sure, sure. Well, you know it wasn't a, a, a recent choice. I had had, had baby hunger mm. for a long time mm-hmm. and, you know, had dreams of babies and, and yeah. wanted to hold a baby and, you know, and thought I could, I could probably be a, a, a good father, a, a good parent. Um, and, I, you know, I've been trying for a long, 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 long time. My wife and I have been together 20 years, and we started trying immediately. Uh, it was a long road um, with, you know, multiple in vitros and and finally when when Francis arrived, it it wasn't that we waited, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we were trying. Um, <laughs> How old are you, Wayne? If you don't mind, I'm sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yeah, and uh, uh, so you know, I think I think like, I guess my my fundamental approach is that I'm just about done being a child. <laughs> That so is m- the best, best answer, answer I ever heard. May- I maybe I could look after one, Right. Know? I mean, I I I can't claim maturity. I know what it is mm-hmm. and I'd like to think I'm moving in that direction. Right. But uh um so so, so you know, what I bring to it is is uh you know f- 65 years of experience on the planet, um most of which it does me no good. <laughs> With toddlers.
1: (laughs) You might be surprised. I'm learning as
2: I go. Yes. But, yeah, I think there is something to your point that, you know, as we move through our developmental stages Mm -hmm. and acquire um, a little wisdom here and there, that we might be better positioned to care for another human being. You're, you're right. You know, when you're 20 years old or even 30 years old, yeah. you're you're still in your uh, uh, establishing yourself. Yes. Or even before that, figuring out yourself. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, era. And then, you know, I guess from our 30s through our 50s, we're establishing ourselves. And in our 50s, we, we enter into a kind of some level of mastery, at least career-wise or work-wise. Sure. And,
0: yeah, yeah. I feel I feel that uh, this. Th- I'm I'm on Aenea's tip in the sense that I had my first child at 33, second one at 36, and although I thought I was prepared and where I was as a man and as a father, it really was almost my ego telling me what it was going to be like to be a dad, what it was going to be like to be a father, and what it meant. And th- you know, obviously, when you listen to your ego. You know, your ego is not your amigo. So for me, it was a lot of once my son and daughter showed up, I realized it wasn't these 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 I love all those movies like Field of Dreams and Rocky and that it's all perfect and we're going to have the great conversation about sex when the lighting's just right and and I'm in the best mood or we're going to have these great conversations about other life stories and and driving to school you know I, I, I was joking around the other day I was, I was driving my son to school and I'm trying to have this he asked me a question. And I was like, "Wow, here's an opportunity for me to really drop into sharing some knowledge." And he just said straight up, "Dad doesn't need to be a life moment right now. Just set like, oh. I'm like that's not in the script, you know, like, dude." Yeah, but see, wow. what I'm what I'm yes. saying in my 30s, I yes. would have my ego, yes. I would have got upset with that. Yes. I would have been like, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm telling you how it is because blah, blah blah." And now, uh, you know, 49 staring at 50. Uh, I go, I yeah, I get where he's at. He's 12, and I remember being 12. I didn't want yeah. my dad to tell me these great life lessons at 8
2: a.m. on the way to school right, on right. traffic. Like Brevity, brevity. It's like good <laughs> right. sports writing. You know? Well, and especially
1: this this generation. It's like they want it quicker. They don't want it at all. So yeah. you got to dial that in. So what about the... Um, the the cause who did we have in here? I think it was Chris Shiflett when he talked about like all of these years of it just being or maybe Well he was
0: it was with Chris and I think also with Dan from OK. Go. Oh and Dan, right. Fellow, all these years
1: of being about musicians. yourself, yeah.
0: right?
2: Like Oh, for and, musicians, yes. forget it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's all about us and all then, the time.
1: So what has that shift, Wayne? How has that been for you to go sixty five years, <laughs> it being about yourself? And and I think in a magnified sense when you are a performer, uh, because it's not just like, oh, you know, time to myself it's like it's all about you on the stage these people are just like we love you and then and now you share life stage with this other incredible little person i've I've been demoted you've been Yeah, I, Your I used to be. Has been put in I used
2: to be somebody around my house. <laughs> yes, you know? I was like the man. <laughs> and I, the
1: star I always say of the this. Show. I always say I'm this. I'm not Wayne, the man anymore. No.
2: It's I, another man.
0: I, I always say this. Wayne is is you know I feel like with my kids when 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 they were younger I was I was the rock star. They I'd walk in through the front door. and My daughter would run right up to me and just give me this hug. And Yay. I'm sure with Francis he still it's, gives you yeah, this hug. The greatest. Where I'm at, yeah, it's a great it's a great feeling. You know, you walk into the front door and you're like everyone's so excited to see you. I will give you a snap into the future is that now when i walk through the door i'm not treated like the singer of the man treated like the roadie it's like it's just like you know that sounds about right yeah yes. you know and not get me this can i go here okay great to see you boom so uh but i, I i'll ask you this how was it uh to to shift at at 65 for a lifetime of I get up when I want. I, you know, I do this. My wife and I travel. I'm sure that you guys spent, you know, so much time together. You're together 20, you know, 20 years, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. There's four o'clock feedings, and well, yes, yeah, somebody else yeah. is
1: dictating what your your day to day schedule looks. You're like. You're
0: dealing with a singer,
2: Wayne. I was ready for it. <laughs> okay, oh. I I couldn't wait to make formula and get up in the yes. middle of the night and yes. wow. change diapers. I mean, I'm I'm down with all of it. I I knew it was coming. Yeah, and you know. I got a little tired of you know being Wayne Kramer. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, and and you know you start to think, well, you know, what is you wonder about the the value and and uh, and meaning and and usefulness. Yeah, and, and you know how do I militantly oppose my own nihilism mm-hmm. my own cynicism yes and uh and i knew that my son would probably give me an answer for yes. all that
1: <laughs> well and it's interesting i think because at the toddler stage so at 3 to your point where you're like you know you start to see his identity they, they start communicating with us like little people so are you seeing already at at 3 that there are opportunities for you to share what what you've known where you've been you know are there little you know yeah, are there already well, moments yeah. you're seeing? My son is,
2: at the moment is is obsessed with uh, volcanoes, tornadoes, and sharks. Oh, interesting! <laughs> and and we have a couple of great shark books, you know. So it, it, in one of the books, there's uh, some nurse sharks, and I said, you know, I've I've been. In the ocean with those kinds of sharks. Oh, really, Papa? How? You saw that kind of shark? Yeah. And jellyfish. Yeah. You know, they sting. How do you know? Well, I ha- I've been stung by right. jellyfish. Oh, and then he'll say, Mama, Papa knows this shark. Papa knows this oh. jellyfish. It stung him.
1: <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so beautiful. It's the best. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God! <laughs> I, I feel that, you know,
0: the question you asked at the beginning, and uh, uh, Wayne answered it right away, and for, for a listener out there. Um, that all of us, some of the, some people have been on the fence with, you know, maybe I'm too old to have a a son or a daughter. Maybe I'm too old to, to fall into that role of parenting, but it, gosh, it almost feels like uh, for some of us, the older that we are, the more comfortable. Cause you just said something I never even thought of. You you were pretty tired of being Wayne Kramer, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as an, as a, as a, uh, entertainer as a songwriter as the guy that everyone wants to ask the questions about and and wow to hear you say yeah you know what i i I, i'd already done that and i'm ready to drop into being a dad that that right there is the real i think answer to anyone that's listening it's like you know what Maybe I'm done being, you know, I'm done right. with this part. I, I'm ready to drop into being a father. Right. Being a and, I, and I
1: think that it's always valuable to look at the script that we've created, you know, in, within our society, some of which was dictated, you know, generations ago when people only lived to be, you know, 35 or 40 years old. And now that we have these much longer lives, I think many of us are still following that script. Our biology is still following that script to some degree where it's, where it's much easier, for example, to get pregnant, as I said earlier, in your 20s than it is in your 40s and 50s. Um... So I think that uh, this is it, this is going to be different for this next generation. To you know, your son will say, "Oh well, I was the child of parents who were in their sixties and their forties, mm-hmm. um, and why I could I could do that way too." And look how I've turned out. I mean, I think it would be fascinating to do a study on your son. <laughs> I mean, there's some really extraordinary circumstances given who you are, but even beyond that, just to be like, what is it like to be a, a child of, of parents who decide so consciously? In, in such a heartfelt way like i'm ready to just not have my life be about me anymore i really want this to be about somebody else you know by the same token i have to ask you what are the ch- what are the big challenges yeah. that you're experiencing now dealing with a highly energized you know toddler um as a man in your in your late 60s what are the challenges of, of taking that on at this point in your life
2: well energy level is mm-hmm. is uh, a challenge you know yep. what i mean <laughs> From the moment he opens his eyes in the morning, it's on. Yeah, he's in. in uh, it's full measures. I mean, he's it's he's running, jumping, reading, talking, um, yeah. playing games, and wants me to do everything with him. Uh, I think he's starting to realize that you know. I'll say him no. You go ahead and you run around, and I'll watch. Yeah,
1: <laughs> sure. I'm going to cheer you on from on the sidelines. Yep.
2: Yeah, I'm going to sit right here. You know. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of a minor thing you know I think the the challenges are the challenges that uh, most parents face with a three year old yeah you know it, it's it's um uh, you know how, how to successfully deal with limit testing and and you know I don't do it perfectly uh, me and my wife make mistakes all the time you mm-hmm. know uh, you know the the guidelines are aspirational yes um and, and we're finding that, um, you know, it's better to be your authentic self. So this story I told you about the bathtub, you know, I, I, I was perturbed with him. I was, I was not happy with his responses. Mm-hmm. And I did have to put his toys away. He got out of the tub without putting his toys up on the shelf. And he knew it. And I didn't say anything else about it. That was it. And then his mother came home and... Um, we were sitting in the bed watching Sesame Street. He gets to watch a little bit of it before bedtime. And he picked his nose, and he rubbed the boogers on the sheets.
1: <laughs> As you do when you're three.
2: <clears throat> and my wife lost it. Mm. Lost it. She went ballistic. She just can't abide that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> Me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy. You've whatever. been on tour. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've done
2: it myself. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but But she lost it. And she went off and turned around, and he was so upset, he hit her. Ooh. Then she really lost it. Yeah. So I had to grab him, and I grabbed him by his two forearms. And as soon as I grabbed him, I realized, you're overreacting, Wayne. And I let him go, and he's weeping and crying, and, and his mother's upset, and I'm, you know. And, and I know that when a child is upset or an adult— that you can't talk to them while they're melting down. Yes. You know, he, he, and we've never told our son, don't cry, or Wonderful. stop crying. Wonderful. Ever.
1: Thank you for that. <laughs> and, and
2: so he's crying, 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 and finally he, 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 it passes, as it does. And, uh, you know, we had the rest of our night. The next day, I was home alone with Francis. He's taking his bath, and... Um, he finishes up, you know, and I hear, "Papa, I'm ready to get out." I said, "Yeah." He said, I put my toys away. <gasps> wow, that blew my mind. Yeah. Then we got in the bed to watch watch his show, and he said, "Could I have a tissue? <gasps> I have a booger." Wow. Now, yes, you know he he, it had to go down the way it did. My wife had to be able to react spontaneously. As the person she is, mm-hmm. I had to be able to show my disappointment to him, mm-hmm. and he stepped up. Mm-hmm. And i th- I think if 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 you're authentic and and conscious mm-hmm. about what you're doing, you know you can't do this stuff um, on autopilot. Yes, you know you have to. You have to. I knew I was upset. I knew. It wasn't that big a deal, but I knew I wanted to send a message, yeah. and I didn't make a big deal out of it. I didn't have to. He he clocks everything. Children clock everything that happens in your house, yeah. and he got it. I mean, one day he he did something. He he threw something in the house, and we kind of have a we have a no throwing rule. And I got out of bed, and he said, "Why are you mad?" And I said, "What did you do five minutes ago? Did you throw something?" Yeah. So I mean, he gets he gets it all. So I think if you if you're authentic, um, in in a, an adult kind of way, yes. in a p- parental kind of way, yeah. um, then kids pick up on it, and, and you know, hopefully, what they see in you. Is the model. I mean, they're learning how to live in the world by watching how you live in the world. That's
1: right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, when you talked about the Bath example that your communication to him was well, that's not fair. Like, we're both here and if you don't pick up your toys, then I'm going to be left to pick up my toys. And so there's all these opportunities to teach them about like, yes, you're an individual and you have your thoughts and feelings, which I think is to to your point about being authentic. It's like showing our kids that we're human Mm -hmm. and also demonstrating that we need to find a way to live together and to to be you know right. compromising and you know yeah
0: i got re- i got to rewind to something that you mentioned that it took me a while to learn and and i think parents are learn this every single day is that in the middle of the heat of the moment that what you're saying and when the child's upset and and you're upset that that isn't the time to try to hit home what what the lesson is or what what the repair is it's it's that moment that you said you know, the the next day you're having some time with Francis, and then these these things happen, uh, and and you acknowledge that he acknowledged it. He's getting the clinics, he's putting away the tools, putting away the toys. It, it's it's funny though because I think as parents, you know, and we use this word a lot on the shows. There's triggers. You know, obviously wiping a booger on a sheet is a trigger for your wife, and and for me, you know, a trigger. I I always talk about on the show. It was so hard for me when my kids were younger was like a respect thing, like. Just blatantly, you know, not listening to me, or or doing something that I felt like I could feel, and I used to, and I remember, and you you said this, and I was like, wow, Wayne has that already built in is acknowledging, uh, you know, I'm going to take a second, let this moment happen, and then I'm going to come back and and address what happened, whereas. For me, I would I, these triggers the would moment. happen. I'd be mm-hmm. in the moment, and I'd feel my chest getting tighter, and that's when I'd go, "Oh, I'm. This is a trigger for me right now. It's a trigger because so and so did A, B, and C. That's something that I have to deal with." And then step away. And I always had such better results, you know. Handling- slow
2: down. Yeah, slow down. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think there's also, and I, I'm spacing on the author's name, but you know, in the Four Agreements, he t- the whole first chapter is book. really potent, I right? He talks all agreements. about the domestication of human beings. And how and it would be happening. I mean, it really starts to happen in the toddler years in earnest because we can then actually interact with them. But what are the things that, you if know, you're interacting
2: with them as infants?
1: Yeah, yeah of, of they're course everything then they too. they I totally agree and yeah. but I think it it's taken to the next level when they enter like their toddler years where they really are moving about like co-human beings like they're they have things to say back to you and you're you know you're opinions. engaging in it de- exactly yep. <laughs> and I think we have to be careful of Making sure that we're hearing, like sometimes I think that there's a purity that comes through, like at three, your son doesn't have all the layers of domestication. And I think that at any age as a parent, you can look and go, so what is he telling me? What is what is my child actually teaching me with this sort of pure perspective on something that I might be able to to factor into my own perspective of the world and maybe meet him or her halfway instead of just, well, no, it's going to be my way because this is what we do. And then we have yet another human being that's just completely socialized and that true authentic self has been so buried under layers and layers of socialization.
2: I'll I'll tell you where we got got, um, a leg up. Um, When Francis was... 4 months 3 months old 4 months old I saw an article in a magazine about a, a parenting class called Rye.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What was it called? Rye. R I E. Okay. Resources for infant educators. Wow. Okay. And it just sounded kind of good to me, you know, like their philosophically their approach seemed to make a lot of sense. And I found a group here in Los Angeles, and and uh, we went to a, a introduction to mm-hmm. it. I liked it, and we signed up. and And Francis still goes every Friday. And the the fundamental premise of Rye is that um, that we treat children with respect. Mm-hmm. That we give them credit for being autonomous, uh, yes. sentient beings. With their um, own agency. With their own agency. And, and that things like when he was, we learned things like when he was an infant, uh, one day Margaret came home with this pillow thing. That Margaret's you st- your wife. Yes. that w- You stick the baby in so the baby can sit up. Yep. And they were just talking about it at Rye, like, don't do that. <laughs> because the baby's not ready to sit up yet. He 's not strong enough, he doesn't have the the core strength yet he doesn't have a sense of balance yet, so if you sit him up he'll fall over and hurt himself mm-hmm. when he's ready to sit up he'll sit up right so when, when children are ready to walk they'll walk, and you know we never drug him around by his arms, you know yeah. teaching him how to walk sure we learn, we all learn how to walk all perfectly fine all yeah. by ourselves and so it, it it kind of was the the um this idea that, you know, don't interrupt him. You know, when he's playing, you know, be there, observe what's going on, watch your child. And he's learning about how the world works when he's playing. And there's no right way to use the truck and there's no right way to use the shovel. Whatever he's doing, it's all right with me. And, And he's doing experiments and he's you know, it's, it's, uh, it's biology, and it's physics, and it's math, and it's uh, dynamics, and he's learning everything he needs to know. And, like, this idea that, that children have short attention spans, that hasn't been my experience. You know, I've, I've watched him work on something for 40 minutes, 50 minutes. I've watched him problem solve. And today, like, as a three-year-old, you know, he's rambunctious and energetic, but he's not reckless. Like he loves to jump off stuff, but I've seen him a dozen times in the last week get on something and decide that wasn't safe. Yeah he knows his own limits. Yes. I've seen him do incredible things where he felt safe doing it, and he was safe, right So you know, I, I, I credit a lot of this to the to the Rye teaching that we learned. The classes you know, they, they put six or eight kids of the same age in a room with terrific toys. That are non-active, <laughs> yeah. that are just objects, Yeah. because uh, we, we kind of believe active toys make for inactive kids.
1: <laughs> right. Well, the, the, the toy starts to dictate the direction yeah. instead of the child dictating Making up it. a game sure. with
2: it or figuring out something new to do mm-hmm. with it. And, uh, and then we, we let them rip, you know, and we, of course they can't hurt each other and they can't hurt themselves. We're all watching out for that. But in general... Children figure everything out.
1: Well, what I, the way that I always talk about this is I say that our, one of our biggest jobs as parents is to create time and space for yeah. our children to explore and discover who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. While creating safe guidelines, so they don't hurt themselves. Yep. And I think it's interesting that with your son, I think what happens is when you try to tamp down a human being's natural inclination to explore, Oh, what would it be like to jump off that thing? Mm-hmm. When we try to uh, like remove that opportunity or limit that opportunity, then they start to act out and force it yeah. in a way that can be unsafe yeah. instead of listening to their intuition and trusting you know that natural inclination.
2: I, I agree with you, and it's been that's been my experience. You know, I mean, he's he's a pretty wild dude, but he he's not reckless. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't do things that that put him put himself in danger.
0: I, I with with my own son, uh, I I would always be a little bit on the hey, be careful doing that. That was just a. Mm-hmm. in my makeup oh, same way and it's yeah i would say that a lot and i realized if i keep saying that he's never really going to push himself to find out what those boundaries are mm-hmm. so early on he took some slams whether it was like you know going across the monkey bars or even later on with skateboarding we were both skateboarding together one day and i'll, I'll never forget it. i kept telling him we were on vacation and i go bro put your helmet on put your helmet on no no i'm fine i'm fine i'm all dude. Put your helmet on, man. He's like – and he, he kept – he couldn't understand the concept. And this is later on. know, he's like 10 at this point. Couldn't understand the concept of why he had to put a helmet on. I would tell the stories. I would say A, B, and C happened to this skater. And we were on vacation. We're both skating together. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go take a run around the block. Like, all right, cool. I go grab your helmet. He doesn't grab it. I'm, I, at this point, I'm like, all right, whatever. I hear him wailing like 5 minutes later and i'm mm. you know the, you know and as a parent you're oh like oh my god that is a you know Panic. i yeah i know and that I, cry yeah i know that cry and I, and I and i remember i walked outside and he had taken a slam and and wailed his head on the side and he was just staring at me. And, and I knew he'd wail his head so hard because he goes, I feel sick. And I go, well, and I, and it was weird because I just slid into, you know, skateboarding my whole entire life. I'm like, you're probably going to throw up. What do you mean? You probably have a concussion. Really? What's that mean? I'm like, what it means is we're getting in the car right now. I left the skateboard there, put him in. I, my wife's mm. like, what happened? And we get in the car. We go to the ex you know, we do the whole thing at the emergency room and thank God, you know, nothing happened. But I'll tell you this right now, because he took that slam. I've never had to ask him to ever put yeah, a helmet on. There's a
2: lot of information in that. So tool. yeah, and yes. you know, and
0: you know what else was great was when the doctor came in and said, "Hey," the first thing he said him, "Hey, why didn't you have your helmet on?" he's never even met this guy. And I just was, I wanted to slip the doctor like a 20. Like, well, thank you, I, man. Uh,
1: thank you, man. And, and you, you know? know what? The safety the safety examples are really like potent and clear, but I think we can take it a step further and say in general, we are doing our children a disservice when we want to prevent opportunities for them to fail. And I say it as opportunity because there's so much information in failure and our inclination is to want to like, oh, I don't want him or her to be exposed Absolutely. to that. I don't want them to feel disappointment. I don't want them to feel like a failure. Well, in fact we usually learn so much more when we fail can i tell than you, when we succeed can
0: i tell you right now you just came up with a whole other show topic just wrote it down because uh, i think so many <laughs> parents right now are so afraid and including me and including yeah. some of the people listening right now i want everything to be epic i want it to be perfect i want everything yeah. to be awesome all the time and as we all know in this room it's not like that yeah and you can't learn unless you fail
2: yes Get falling down and getting back up this is a great lesson for life <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what what so maybe that's a, a nice sort of segue. A nice segue to your experience with falling down and getting up. And I, I take it just from you already having made this conscious decision with your with your son at three about wanting to be authentic. Um that of course is going to mean at some point being authentic about your personal story, Wayne. Of sure. course we know it has lots of great success, but there have also been yeah. bumps. And, and, so you want to talk about that. And, and for our listeners, can you kinda of outline the, well, yeah,
0: sure. You
2: know, I was the leader, a teenage leader of a of a revolutionary rock band from Detroit called the MC5. Um, we were uh, hounded by the FBI and the uh, Justice Department. We had uh, many criminal trials uh, and achieved uh, some recognition around the world. Um, the MC5 broke up, as most bands do, um, and I um, went on a downward spiral and uh, and fell in with very bad people and started doing very bad things. I hurt people, and I was hurt. Uh, I served a federal prison term. And then, um, you know, for 30 years, I uh, watched other people just like me going to prison for longer Sentences under worse conditions. I had acquired drug addiction and alcoholism, um, and it took me a long time. Uh, I didn't get sober till I was fifty. Mm. Um, uh, so these subjects, you know, prison, drug abuse, are uh, an ongoing conversation in our house, um, and I uh, know that they will continue as my son. Gets older, um, uh, you know. My my greatest fear is that my son would follow in my footsteps mm. and and end up in prison. I I work in a lot of prisons today. We have a nonprofit called Jail Guitar Doors that provides instruments for prisoner rehabilitation. And one of the first things I ask the, the guys uh, is, "How many fathers do I have in this room?" Wow! And a lot of hands go mm-hmm. up. And we talk about being a father and not being there for your your child, Um, and you know what can I do to make sure that my son doesn't follow in my footsteps? And I guess the answer to that is uh, I'm not sure. You know, I can. I mean, I know he's going to grow up in a different world than I grew up in, Um, and I hope that that makes the difference. you know, at a certain point, he's gonna he's gonna be responsible for his own life, uh, and uh, you know, he's gonna have to make the right choices. I mean, my fervent hope is that I can impart some uh, some of the reality of a life in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe he can avoid some of the um, trauma that I had as a kid, and uh, that that. You know, resulted in me um, going through a lot of pain. <laughs> um, but there's no guarantee. You know, I I know people all over the place that uh, have said the same thing. So you know, uh, I I don't think I'm special or that I have any uh, particular gift or intuition about it. You know, I I'm I'm being a good parent is the most important thing in the world to me today. Uh, it's something I study diligently. Um, you know, I, I take action um, constantly to to learn more. Mm-hmm. And and uh, my son kind of reflects back to me if I'm doing a good job or not.
1: And is there, I mean, so I'm thinking about that. And, and I think all of that is beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing so candidly. What, um, if you could pinpoint one thing like if you were to in it like in a nutshell i'm sure there are many things about you know your your personal story but was there a thing in your own childhood that you think wow if i can just do that thing differently because that was a huge source of my own pain and and you know the catalyst for some of the choices that i made yeah is there something that really stands out to
2: you Uh, my father was an alcoholic Mm. he was a world war ii marine he saw action in the south pacific he was wounded and he came back from the war with ptsd mm-hmm. and, and, and before
1: those, we were probably calling it ptsd yeah, they, exactly. uh, my
2: mother called it shell shock mm-hmm. they said your your father was had shell shock and how he, old are you at this point my father w-
0: no how old were are you, you when, when you're dealing back? with the term shell shock when they're saying hey the reason dad's acting his way how old are you at that? well
2: um our family they divorced at I was uh six okay. seven i think okay um because she couldn't tolerate his alcoholism, mm-hmm. and that's how he treated his p t s d um so there was no father in the picture, mm. and I was left to my own devices as a boy growing up in detroit my mother uh, you know s- single working moms are mm-hmm. the heroes of the world uh-huh. <laughs> they are they are the strongest people on earth, and um so I had a lot of time on my hands, and um, and I was very angry. My mother uh, convinced me that my dad was a rat for running out on us, uh, and so I was going to beat him up someday. Sure. And... and uh, so, I ended up like beating a lot of other people <laughs> right
1: up. Well, and and ultimately beating yourself up and I just i can 't let mostly the, beating i can't up. let the opportunity pass because this is something we've talked before about marriages breaking up, but what parents often don't realize is that when your mother was telling your father that he was a rat for yeah. leaving, she was also giving commentary on you because you were you're part of your father
2: and and you know I was going to fix it, yeah I was going to straight. I was going to protect my mom mm-hmm. and I was going to fix it. Um, So I became a boyhood thief. I, I discovered that I could steal and I could get away with it, and it made me big man mm-hmm. on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids in the neighborhood, I had money, I had candy. I started off stealing from my mother. She was a beautician, and she had a shop in the front of our apartment. Mm. And so in, I saw that $1 bills in her sure. drawer, and so in the middle of the night, I'd go sneak a handful of ones, and I mean, she couldn't know how many there were. There were so many, you know. <laughs> Probably had $40 in there. Amazing the things we think. And, uh, and so... I I th- I think that th- that was the the kernel of, of you know where I went wrong you know th- this idea of you know not there wasn't a man to model manhood for me there wasn't a man to show me how a man acts in the world right you know what his values are wh- who he is you know that who I am is the most important thing not what I say or stuff that I how own. much you have or yes right. it's not that it's what kind of human being am I what kind of man mm. am I. And, and uh, uh, you know, that played out as, as my life, you know, I, I stole bigger and bigger things, and then it, it got very bad um, when my uh, fine, fine career as a, as a rock and roller went sideways, and then, you know, I... Uh, as I mentioned, you know, it, it, you you can continue to do wrong and and go to court, you know, and you catch another case and you go to court and they tell you you're not such a bad guy, you know, you haven't really been in trouble. Oh, you've been in trouble a little bit. Well, you've got quite a record here. Finally, um, we're going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. And and you know, they give you rope right down at the court. Yes, and and. Sooner or later, they've given you enough rope to hang yourself with, and of course, that's what happened to me.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And so, and so, I think what I took from that, in terms of like the the, the first question, was you uh what you missed was feel, having your a, a father or a male presence that was going to demonstrate yeah. or model being a man of integrity and yeah. so maybe the the kernel here is that for you to demonstrate on the on the day to day what an incredible man of integrity you've become now and I think your the organization you've created is also speaks to that so like a man who's also being in service to the world which is just so impressive that the hope would be that your son will see that modeled and not have that. Well, that's
2: the hope, you know. I mean, I, 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 if anything, I could impart to him that you know, being of service to your fellows it, it, it is important. You know that it 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 generates great benefits not only to other people but to yourself. Self, yes, and and you know to be. I mean, ultimately, I want him to be a global citizen. I want him to participate in the world and, mm-hmm. and do good in the world, you know, contribute something yeah. um, to, you know, this, maybe it's a utopian concept, but, you know, to make the world a better place. Yeah. This is a, kind of a fundamental concept.
0: The thing that you said that's so important out of all of that, I was just listening, was You're also aware that at a certain point, he's going to have to be responsible for his own life. And as much as we can all do and say around our children... There does come that moment where they let go of the side of the pool, and here we go. Are, yeah, are they, they going to make it to it the themselves. other side? Are they treading water? What's going to happen? And so, we're going to mess it
1: up. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we're going to mess it up. Many. Yes, we talk many
2: about times. that all the time. Okay. I, I'm
1: reserving a,
2: a, a therapy for him now.
1: Right. Uh. <laughs> just, just start a fund. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk for a minute about being your your way of being in service to the world, and how this incredible organization and work that that you're doing uh, in prisons with with, with yoga. Yeah, and and how the impact that that's having.
2: Well, we w- today our uh, our instruments are in over sixty five American prisons. We have songwriting workshop programs in county jails across the country. Um, we run one here in the Los Angeles County Jail in the Twin Towers downtown, which will start the fall semester starts Tuesday. Um, what we've discovered is that. If we can put instruments in in uh, the people that live in jails and prisons hands, and task them with uh, telling their story, mm. write write a song to your mom, write a song to your son, write a song to yourself about how you got here. Uh, sometimes we uh, so we set up these workshops, and the workshops. Um, they last about two hours. Uh, the first hour, we divide up into groups. We have uh, professional singer-songwriters who go in and work with the guys, small group of guys. We try to mix everybody up so there's no gang affiliations. There are mm. no race affiliations. There's no class affiliations. It's like, how many guitar players we got? How many drummers we got? How many right. poets we got? The
1: music is going to transcend all that. And
2: it does. Huh? We sit down for an hour. We knock the song out. Then we all get back together in a big circle, and we perform the songs for each other. And it's in the performances that that the electricity happens. That Because that, everybody gets the jokes, you know, and the things that guys talk about in jail and in prison. Everybody gets it, you know, yeah. and, and everybody gets a good rap. And there are amazing musicians. I mean, I wish I had written some of the songs that I wow. hear the guys write. Wow. They write great stuff. And what happens is... When, when they have to commit complex feelings uh, to a piece of paper and mm. then perform it, it changes them. There's a transformative power in that process. Um, And it it, it's the beginning of um, seeing themselves differently. Yes. To start to see themselves as more than a crime, more than a number, more than a bed space. Yeah. Um, To see themselves, you know, as an artist, as as someone that's contributing something. It's a new identity, different than the jailhouse identity, the prison yard identity. They're now they're the guy who wrote that song, right? Oh yeah, dude wrote that song. Well, I
1: would and I would think that they're also experiencing being whole human beings, given the opportunity to express their feelings. I mean, this is this is the great um, disservice, and I, I my work has. To date been primarily with girls but it's now transitioning into this into the realm of boys as well and you know all the research is telling us that you know we screw up girls in a, in a number of ways and the way that we screw up boys is by disconnecting them from their emotional selves mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. they don't have a healthy outlet that is welcomed by their parents by their community like your feelings matter you are allowed to express something more than anger um, then they get to become whole people. We,
2: we just launched a program in the California Youth Authority. And, uh, you know, they call them camps. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a misnomer. <laughs> They're prisons for boys. Ah. And, um, you know, the first week I, I go in and I, uh, I'll do a talk. I did a talk with these, this group of boys. And I asked them about, you know, uh, how, how many of them, you know, know Bob Marley. Nobody raised their hands. Mm -hmm. How many of you know Chuck Berry? Nobody raised their hands. How many know the Beatles? Nobody raised their hand. I said, geez, these kids, all they know is hardcore hip-hop, you know. Then the second week came. Turns out they knew all about Bob Marley. They knew about the Beatles. But nobody would raise their hands. Nobody felt safe to raise their hands. Um, And And... Most my experience has been most of the people in our prisons and most of the kids in our youth authority programs have never had anyone say, "Wow, that was great, what you did, man, that was fantastic, man, I love that what you just did, yeah, nobody ever said that yeah. to them, yeah, so to come up with their song and perform it and have their friends yeah. clap, yes, this is huge, yes, it's gigantic and and i it's my opinion that it's the first step in the hard work of changing for the positive yeah. it's the first step i, I know a, a a man coach griffith who works in the chino state prison he's worked worked in the california department of corrections as a recreation director for for 30 years he's old hand and he said the only thing he's ever seen that helped people change was music and organized sports. Yeah. And, and another fellow told me, a sheriff's deputy said, uh, Wayne, education's important. Half the people in California's prisons are illiterate. Mm-hmm. They can't read. Mm-hmm. So education is important. But if I educate a criminal, I've got an educated criminal. He said, so it takes a change of heart, something more fundamental yeah. for people to change. And the only thing that can reach that deep is the power of art itself. Mm -hmm. Not only music, dance, writing, poetry, um, acting, theater. um, All the arts have this unique power to reveal the secret of how to work, how to stay in one place and finish a task, because that's what you need to do. Not because somebody asked you to do it or told you to do it, but you want to do it. And it's it's that beginning, it's that first kernel of of uh, of self expression in a new non confrontational way. Right. People know how to express themselves in prison, but it's always negative. Right.
1: Well, and and in terms of being tapping into that that creative force, it's because I always think like we forget that we have the opportunity to be the authors of our own stories in a much right. bigger sense. Right. Yeah. So when you enable when you uh, Give people, men and women, boys and girls, the opportunity to tap into that creative element of themselves. All of a sudden, they go, Oh my gosh, so if I could create this, maybe I could also create this. I can create a different version of myself. I can create a different life. Wow. Okay, so I want to know because it's so incredible how can people support this important work that that you and your organization are doing?
2: You can go to our website at jailguitardoors.org. You can learn a great deal about. who we are and what we do and where we do it. How to help. And you can make a donation. Wonderful.
0: Hey, and I got, I got to throw this in there before we split. Uh, and I've heard you tell the story before, but I have to, I have to let our listeners know because it's a great story and and as a kid growing up in Santa Cruz I got that first Clash record and I'm listening to all the songs. I even told the story about how I used to write the lyrics in this journal this nun used to make us do. You got to write a journal. We're going <laughs> to know what you're doing and then my friend said, "Dude, they never read it. You can write lyrics of songs that you want to learn." <laughs> so here I am writing down Joe Guitar Doors. I, tell I mean this is how the this let our listeners know how the title of your organization
2: came about. Well, while I was, I served my sentence from in the nineteen seventies, from seventy five to seventy eight, and while I was in prison, this new music form emerged, punk rock. And when I got when I got home, um, I heard that there was this band in England called the Clash, and they had written a song about me, which I thought wow. was was a great show of solidarity from some brothers across the sea. I right. didn't know these guys, but apparently they were MC5 fans and, you know, they were a political band and the MC5 was very political. And so they identified with our, our uh, message and our struggles. And um, they, I went to meet them. They, they came to Detroit on tour and, and, uh, Joe and uh, and Mick were, you know, just gracious, regular guy, you know, musician to musician. We got along great, and and uh, they gave me a copy of the single, and they, they signed it for me. I wish I still had it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't think much more of it. Um, you know, I just thought it was a nice thing and nice gesture. And, and then uh, fast forward 30 years, and I'm deciding that I've got to do something about um, Over incarceration in this country. And, you know, if the damage being done is incalculable. You know, we, we, we're locking up today, we have 2.3 million people. When I served my sentence, there were 300,000 people in prison in America.
1: And now it's 2.3, 2.3, 2.3, million. 2.3 million.
2: Wow. Another 10 million on. Uh, parole or Mm -hmm. probation direct Mm -hmm. state control Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's the greatest failure of social policy in america's domestic history um so i took a i wanted to take a bunch of musicians into a prison to perform a concert i had uh, tom morello gilby clark jerry cantrell perry farrell and his lovely wife etty don was handsome dick manitoba And I'm Billy from Bragg. Manitoba.
1: Somebody's the name Manitoba? Right. Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Still
2: around, too. So the wonderful British troubadour Billy Bragg was with us. So we're getting ready to go play, and he takes his guitar out, and it says Jill Guitar Doors on his guitar. I said, oh, that's interesting, Bill. What's up with that? And he says, uh, oh, it's an old Clash B side. You ever heard it? <laughs> I said, Bill. As a matter the, of fact, the song is about me. And he said, what? What you mean? I said, what are the lyrics? <laughs> right. Let me tell you about wine and his deals of cocaine. Oh, bloody. <laughs> <laughs> You're that Wayne. <laughs> Billy Bragg. I forgot. It is about you. Wow. So.
1: Such a good. <laughs> that's a killer story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. So? So, he, so he started to
2: explain to me. He had started this independent initiative in England. A man had written to him uh who was working in a prison trying to use music as rehabilitation, but he didn't have any guitars, and could Billy find him some guitars? Billy wanted to do something to celebrate Joe Strummer's life's work. This clash inspired Billy to combine his love of music and his activism together, that it could be done, you Mm -hmm. could do this. And so he wanted to pay tribute to Joe. Joe had been dead a few years, and he wanted to celebrate it. So he said, well, this is great. I'll name it after that Clash B-side Joe guitar doors, and I'll go around to my rock star friends and squeeze them for money to buy guitars for prisoners. So by the time we left the prison, we were riding on a bus back to the... We hired a bus to carry all the musicians up from Manhattan. We were at Sing Sing. I don't know if I mentioned that. It's a notorious maximum security Mm -hmm. facility in New York. And I said, Bill, you know, what you're doing in England is excellent. You know, you're British. That's really good. But, you know, I'm an American. I'm a returned citizen. I'm a musician. I think I should take this on for this country. It seemed like a good fit to me. And he said, good, because I was just going to task you with it. (laughs) (laughs) So You're the only one that can do it because you've been inside and you know how the system works. So that, that day, Billy Bragg, my wife, Margaret Kramer, and I founded Joe Guitar Doors USA. And here we are eight years later. We have, uh, we're just launching songwriting workshops in four California state prisons around Los Angeles and in the California Youth Authority. We have workshops in the Twin Towers. We have them in the Cook County Jail in Chicago, uh, in the San Diego County Jail. Um, we have them in Travis County in Texas and uh, still at Sing Sing and we're just about to start a program at Rikers in New York. So
1: incredible. What a great journey. Yes.
0: Wayne, you know, I can just, you know, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I can't thank you enough for the work you do with Joe Guitar Doors and I can't I can't thank you enough for your whole story of from Detroit to to being a dad now at 68 years old, and you know what, man? I just, I just, I, I know people Listening to the show, they're like, Man, I hope when I'm 68, I got as much energy as this dude. Because there's, I know right now, there's a 28 year old out there and a 38 year old, they're like, Damn, I don't know, I don't know if I'm
1: gonna, this guy's killing
2: it, this guy's
0: killing <laughs> it right now, seriously. So, everyone, a couple of things that we that we touched on that I, I just got to go through. I took notes, um, because we know it's a good show, Wayne, when I don't talk a lot. So, tonight, today was actually a really, really good show. Uh, I'm gonna throw this out out there, Four Agreements. I read this book, Changed My Life. I know I brought it up earlier in the show. It's written by Don Miguel Ruiz. R-U-I-Z. If you haven't read that book, I know a lot of listeners have, check out Four Agreements. Uh, Definitely Game Changer. We talked about Rye. I didn't want to interrupt when you were uh, talking, but my wife and I uh, with Chessa and Nathan, um, my wife turned me on to the whole Rye. uh, The philosophy, Mm -hmm. it it hit home really, really well. We went through a whole thing with my son uh, not being able to walk. He didn't walk until I, I don't even know he would just crawl around. He did the army commando thing forever, and I remember we took him to a uh, a doctor here in Los Angeles. Very very influential doctor, famous. This guy named Doctor Fleiss, super super cool guy, and he was a part of the whole ride thing. And he said to us, uh, he said, "Yeah, he'll walk when he's supposed to." There, these other doctors were like, "He <laughs> needs surgery." He needs surgery, and I, I and I just threw out. And I love you, Nate. And I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but I was like, his head's super big. He just <laughs> and the doctor goes, "Yeah, he's got a big head." You know, he's a really tall. him down a little. Yeah, no, no. They were just like, you know, could you carry that thing around? I'm like, no. Um, And he, you know, sure enough, he walked when he was supposed to. So check out Rye. That's very, very cool. And then um, check out jailguitardoors.com. No, uh, dot org. dot org. Sorry. Jailguitars. Jailguitars.org. No. JoeGuitarDoors.org. Thank
1: you. JailguitarDoors.org.
2: There you go
0: yeah. And I have not had any beers today uh, With all that said Believe There's a lot not. of events too uh, That Wayne and Margaret are doing And putting together uh, And you can check out when you can, How you can support
2: And where you can check out These great events Wayne, thank you so much Joe, it's been a pleasure I've enjoyed speaking with you both And thanks for the opportunity To, to blab on, on the podcast
0: Absolutely Rad Parenting Wayne Kramer check mark right there Wow Wow that was pretty interesting. That, yeah,
1: that's got to go In our top three yeah, Really, so yeah. good
0: And do yourself a favor Right now, Clash fans uh, You know, fire up Jail Guitar Doors again And for the people That haven't Yeah, you just spend An hour with the guy They wrote the song about Pretty cool right there Alright, we're going to split My name is Joe Sib And Anaya Bo We're out of here Late, Late.